Hey Hainas fans, this episode might contain scenes that include violence and sensitive details, some of which are reenacted for an immersive audio experience. Sounds may seem like it's coming from the left, right, or behind you. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. All it took was a single word uttered, and her mother would tragically die. Her demise sent shockwaves throughout the nation and would turn out to be a historic event, because that was the first time in Singapore's history that a death sentence was handed down to a woman. It was the 31st of December, 1969, on New Year's Eve. A family of five had just finished celebrating in their apartment at Jalan Seaview. The couple had just tucked their children into bed and headed to the porch to have a few drinks. The wife leaned forward, placing her hand on her husband and said, Look at us, Hiroshi. We have such a wonderful family. But you're going to ruin it all by having that prostitute by your side. She stood up, glared at him and said, I'm reaching my breaking point, Hiroshi. I'll give you a week to get rid of her. Before she stormed off into the house, a muddled Hiroshi was left outside all alone. His wife's acrimonious words were ringing through his head. Despite being heavily intoxicated, he managed to find his way to his mistress' apartment. The door creaked open and the silhouette of a woman in a nightgown was revealed. Hiroshi stumbled and uttered, Mimi, she called you a prostitute. How could she say such things about you? Mimi seemed unfazed by his comments. Perhaps she was confused or didn't quite catch it the first time. Hiroshi repeated himself, My dear Mimi, my wife called you a prostitute. It was as if one could see the word prostitute enter Mimi's mind as she finally got it. But not before Hiroshi stumbled into the house and passed out on the couch. As Mimi shut the door, she was fixated on the word prostitute. She felt insulted. Why would someone say such a nasty thing, she thought. Mimi walked back into the bedroom quietly, trying not to wake her son. She couldn't stop thinking about having been called a prostitute and all the negative connotations it entailed. As Mimi laid back down in bed, her eyes were wide open, her fists clenched in anger, and her heart was racing. This is when she began to plot her revenge. This is Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. Born in 1939, Mimi Wong Wen Siu was the daughter of her father's second wife. She had a rather tumultuous childhood. Her father had died of unknown causes when she was just 11 months old, and her mother was poor and unable to care for her. As a result, Mimi was sent to live with her late father's first wife, 
Ho Ah Song. They had a family of nine half siblings, which, as one can imagine, was rather chaotic. The family was also poverty stricken, which meant that Mimi didn't get the chance to attend school. Albeit back in the 1940s, education wasn't deemed a priority for women. To make matters worse, the Japanese occupation began in February 1942, which plunged Singapore into a state of despair and famine. Under these harsh circumstances, Mimi had to start working at the tender age of 14 as a factory worker. Mimi suffered years of torment from her stepmother and her siblings, who frequently verbally and physically abused her. Records state that her birth mother only watched as Mimi suffered throughout the years. Whenever it was meal time, only her nine step siblings would be allowed to begin eating first, while Mimi would look on eagerly. "I'm so hungry. Can I just take one bite?" she said. "You just sit there and wait till we are finished. You can clean up later." Mimi wasn't allowed to join them for meals. She would only be offered the leftovers once the entire family finished eating. The years of suffering and abuse went on until she grew older and became independent. It was the summer of 1956. Mimi Wong had just turned 17 when she was invited to a picnic by a friend. Mimi, that man has been watching you since we arrived. I think he's interested in you. Her friend whispered discreetly. The man approached Mimi slowly and said, "Hey there. You look extremely beautiful today. Perhaps we could be friends. What's your name?" Mimi scanned the man from top to bottom. The first thing that she had noticed about him was his earnestness. The pair hit things off that day and continued to date for another two years before they tied the knot in 1958. The man was Sim Wo Kum, who was employed as a school canteen stallholder and was about six to seven years older than Mimi. At the time, it was a common occurrence for women to marry much older men. In that same year. The newly wedded couple welcomed their first son. Their second son was born four years later in 1962. The first years of married life were just like a fairy tale, but what seemed like a 1950s monochromatic television romance was about to come undone, and Mimi Wong's true colors were about to be revealed. It was an ordinary weekend in the Sim household. The flat was occupied by the couple, their two sons, and Sim's elderly mother. Mimi had always possessed a bad temper since she was young, and with a family history of violence and mental illness, it wasn't a surprise that she also frequently abused her husband. What did you say? I dare you to say it again to my face. Mimi warned him. She pulled out a knife from the kitchen, held it against her husband's face, and said, "If you ever say that again, I'll make sure this knife lands on your forehead." Mimi didn't hesitate to arm herself whenever their arguments turned violent. Her arsenal of weapons included practically anything she could find in the house, from broomsticks to wooden rods. But mostly, she reached for the kitchen knife that was hanging by the sink. Her husband Sim, who was a naturally mild-tempered person, Often silently endured the physical and verbal abuse. Sometimes 
the arguments would get so intense that he would be seen with scars on his forehead, a stark reminder of the sour relationship he was in. According to our research, Sim would be seen running out of the house numerous times whenever Mimi wanted to pick a fight. Despite this, Sim wore cum, wasn't as innocent as one might think. He was a compulsive gambler who often gambled away their hard-earned money, which made the family's financial situation worse. This gambling habit resulted in Sim losing his job and further draining the family's life savings. This forced Mimi to take up several part-time jobs to support her family, including a stint as a bar hostess. The two would clash again and things turned violent once again. Only this time, Mimi had enough. It was evening time and the family had just finished their dinner. Mimi was in the bedroom while Sim was cleaning up the dishes. As he was wiping off the last plate, he heard a voice coming from the bedroom. Sim Wa come. How could you do this to us? Her voice echoed through the house. Sim knew exactly what his wife was referring to. Apprehensively, he made his way towards the bedroom and slowly cracked the door open. Mimi was standing behind the bed with a wooden rod in one hand and an empty biscuit jar in the other. This money was for our family, our kids, our future. You took it. Sim resorted to stealing Mimi's hard-earned money from working multiple jobs to fund his gambling habit. This incident of theft was the last straw for Mimi. She became disillusioned with her husband and ultimately decided to leave the family. Sim was left with two young children and an elderly mother to care for. Their romantic love story disintegrated into marital arguments, disagreements and violence. After the separation, Mimi found work as a bar hostess in a nightclub. She would don skimpy and revealing outfits just to attract more customers at the clubs. Using her good looks and sexually attractive figure, her popularity would rise among the male clientele in the bar. Her reputation grew and she became renowned as the queen of all bar hostesses in Singapore. Mimi had also set out on a quest to make her estranged husband as jealous as possible. Reportedly, she deliberately strutted off with different boyfriends in front of Sim. She wanted him to realise what he had lost and what he once had. According to our records, Sim still loved Mimi despite their separation. He had always hoped that one day, Mimi would want to reconcile the relationship. He would often tell Mimi to stop deliberately parading herself with other men in front of him as it was an unsavoury image for their children. Mimi never listened. She loved all the attention that she was getting and the generous tips she would receive from her customers. And she would often be seen leaving the clubs with different men every night. On one occasion in 1966, three years after she had started working at the nightclub, she would be seen leaving the bar with a man. But this man would be the signal for more trouble that was to enter her life. It was December of 1965, in Japan, when a Japanese man named Hiroshi Watanabe went to work one morning. The Japanese-based company specialised in engineering solutions, and it was where Mr. Hiroshi was first employed as a mechanical engineer. Through the years, he quickly rose through the ranks and became a senior leader of the Japanese corporation. <coughs> his secretary knocked on his door. Mr. Hiroshi, the boss wants to see you for a bit. He got up, put on his coat, 
combed his hair and proceeded to the CEO's office. Come in, Hiroshi. Take a seat. What's the matter, boss? What can I do for you? His boss got up, walked over and said, Hiroshi, I know you are someone that I can trust and I need someone trustworthy. There's this land reclamation project in Singapore that I need you to manage. A crucial project that will make us lots of money. Can I trust you with this? I'll need you in Singapore by next month. The conversation might have lasted for about an hour. Hiroshi Wantanabe was married to his wife, Ayako Wantanabe, and had a family of three children. They lived comfortably and stayed in one of the upper-class neighbourhoods of Japan. But in January 1966, Hiroshi packed his things, left his family behind, and made the move to Singapore. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. On behalf of the crew, we would like to welcome you aboard the Heinous Podcast. Also, uh, did you know that only 1% of our listeners have rated the show? To help support the channel, do provide us with a 5-star review on Spotify. Thank you for listening to Heinous. Cabin crew, prepare to return back to the show. A few weeks after his move to Singapore, Hiroshi would find himself walking into a bar after work one day. It's been a long and tough day. There's just way too many things to do. I need a drink. Hiroshi spoke to himself as he opened the doors of the bar. The music was on full blast, sending shockwaves through his body and the air was thick with cigarette smoke. Standing right in front of him was an attractive barmaid. She brought him to his seat and handed him a glass of whiskey. Hiroshi took a sip before he placed the glass down and said, The drink was lovely, but not as lovely as you. The barmaid blushed and proceeded to pour him another. They spent the rest of the night talking and drinking. As the night wore on, Hiroshi stood up and headed for the exit. With one hand on the door, he turned around and handed the barmaid a generous tip. By the way, I didn't quite catch your name, Hiroshi said. The barmaid blushed and said, My name's Mimi. Mimi Wong. Hiroshi fell head over heels for Mimi. He would go on to patronize the bar frequently just to see her more often. Eventually, Mimi also fell for Hiroshi. Naturally, they went on to start a relationship. Hiroshi loved how affable Mimi was and how she always took good care of him at the bar. Mimi also loved how gentle and respectful he was to her, something you don't see very often in her industry. It all seemed to be shaping up into another great love story. But there was a catch. We know that Mimi separated from her husband, Sim Wokum. However, she didn't technically get a divorce. We also know that Hiroshi Wantanabe has a wife and three kids back in Japan. This illicit relationship couldn't have ended well for both of them. In fact, Hiroshi couldn't bear to abandon his wife for Mimi because despite the infidelity, he still cared for his wife. Mimi was also aware that their secret relationship would not have gone anywhere because of Hiroshi's status as a married man. But this didn't stop either of them. Eventually, Mimi would become pregnant with Hiroshi's child. By the looks of it, it seems to us that Hiroshi was using Mimi as a distraction 
she was someone he could drink and unwind with. Plus, it was a bonus that she was physically attractive to him. But let's not forget that Mimi was a bar hostess, where it was common to receive attention and compliments from men. For Mimi to invest so much time and attention into a single person meant that she might have genuinely fallen in love with Hiroshi. With the pregnancy, Hiroshi's true feelings and intentions were revealed. Mimi knew very well that she wouldn't be able to cope with another child, so she asked Hiroshi for money to get an abortion. Hiroshi declined her request, claiming that he didn't have any cash to spare. This sent Mimi into an endless spiral. I thought he loved me. I thought he would do anything for me. Feeling lost, Mimi decided to travel to Penang for an abortion. Despite the circumstances and the distance, the pair maintained their relationship. In Penang, Mimi would find herself in a romantic entanglement with another man she met. He was a businessman from Hong Kong, and he too would fall for Mimi's charm. However, it didn't take long for this relationship to run its course. Her new boyfriend found out that Mimi was pregnant with another man's child and proceeded to drive her out of the house in anger. Mimi ended up keeping the baby and in 1969, she returned to Singapore and gave birth to her daughter. Times were tough and being a single mother wasn't easy. With little other choice, she took up a job temporarily as a social escort to make a living. News of Mimi's new job as a social escort reached Hiroshi, prompting his continued visits to Mimi. Once again, the pair resumed their illicit relationship. Perhaps Hiroshi took pity on Mimi's situation, or he simply desperately wanted to resume the discreet relationship they had from before. He needed someone whom he could seek pleasure in, without going through the trouble of finding someone new. It was recorded that every month, Hiroshi would give her $200 out of his own income to support her. He even rented a room at Alexandra Road for her and her children to live in. A few months later, the couple would move to Everett Road and live together with Mimi's daughter. It was late 1969, three years into Hiroshi's relationship with Mimi Wong. It seemed like things were at a state of normalcy. One day, Hiroshi decided to come clean and confess to his wife that he had been having an affair with another woman. Obviously, his wife did not approve of this affair and demanded an end to his secret relationship. Hiroshi was devastated. He knew he couldn't end the relationship immediately, as the repercussions would be tragic. On one hand, he loved his wife dearly and couldn't bear to break his family apart. On the other, he was well aware that his mistress Mimi had a vicious temper. Hiroshi had to come up with a plan to break the news to Mimi. A plan that would satisfy both his wife and his mistress. He decided to tell Mimi about his wife's disapproval. On the day Hiroshi broke the news to Mimi, she panicked. It was unclear what really happened, but given Mimi's abusive history, it is likely that she had physically and verbally abused him. What Hiroshi didn't realize then was that this revelation might have unleashed the devil inside Mimi. Mimi grabbed Hiroshi by the collar, where her grip was so tight that her fingers almost tore through his shirt. 
Hiroshi did not retaliate, and he became paralyzed with fear. Mimi further tightened her grip, her fingernails almost digging into his flesh. She looked him dead in the eyes and said, Hiroshi, if you ever try to cut ties with me, I promise you that your wife and your precious children won't get to see another day. In the next episode, we discover the fatal flaw in Hiroshi's plan and the tragedy that would unfold when the devil takes control of Mimi. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. If you would like to share some feedback or suggest other cases that you would like us to cover, you can reach out to us via email at heinous at oneupmediapodcast.com or through our Instagram or TikTok page at heinous underscore oneupmedia. This episode of Heinous was researched, produced and written by Yeo Guangjin with audio engineering by Ethan Sam. Special thanks as well to executive producers Danny Cordy and Barry Toh from MediaCorp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Heinous. <laughs>